Welcome to a conversation of change with Dr. Jen Fram, where we talk all things leadership, change, and transformation. Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Jen Fram here with another Conversations of Change. Um, how are you all doing? Are you breathing? Are you breathing well? Are you sleeping? Are you drinking lots of water? They're probably the three things that I'm most keen for you to be doing at the moment because I've got a hunch if you're listening to me, you're probably in the community who are somewhat invested in helping people through pretty big forced change at the moment. As I signalled last week, I'm going to fly solo for a little bit on these podcasts and I'm going to provide them on a weekly basis um, just so that I can share with you information um, or thoughts that are related to positive psychology, resilience, neurobiology of change that you might find helpful as you do navigate these new frontiers in front of you. Um, my word, it's, it's interesting times. I do hope that wherever you are at the moment, if you are doing a solo exercising walk and you've got your podcast uh, earphones in, whether you are hiding from the kids for 20 minutes to have a cup of tea and have a bit of a chat with me, um, wherever it is that you are, I hope that you are breathing well. I hope that you are sleeping well and I hope that you are hydrated, um, that you're maintaining a sense of humour with everything that's going on. So um, I also mentioned last week uh, that I have started up a Patreon account. Um, Patreon is a place where if you value the content that I provide, um, you're able to be a patron um, of me and provide some level of financial assistance. Um, you know, my big goal at the moment with with shifting revenues and stuff like that is to find a little bit more assistance so that I can maintain the small businesses that currently support me. Um, so anything that um, you find valuable, if there's a if there's a monetary worth to it, then I would be really grateful if you head over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, look up Dr. Jen Fram, have a look at the different tiers of patronage that are available um, and consider whether that's something that you want to do. You will find on the Patreon account, um, I've got a brand new post looking at my thoughts on some of the challenges that are coming out at the moment on the difference between compassion and empathy and what that means for us. And I've also got a 17-minute video, which is you might find useful, um, particularly if in an organisational sense uh, or community, which is helping leaders uh, create calm to lead further change. Anyway, on with today. So today what I wanted to do was pick up the topic of speed of change um, because my wordy, uh, <laughs> we are seeing some really big change and really fast and, you know, from day to day it feels like um, we're just not sure what's happening. There's a lot of uncertainty. We've got different sources of information coming to us. But the one thing that is really clear is that change is happening really fast for us. 
So when I think about speed of change and the literature that's out there and the material, one of the things that comes to mind immediately is the notion of the burning platform. Now, many of you um, will know of the burning platform metaphor. How it is most commonly used in most organisations is this concept of you have to create a burning platform, you have to get a fire under people to get them to change, to make them want to jump off the burning platform. Um, and so it's quite, um, it's, it's quite a, um, not a particular loving metaphor, is it really? Um, it's, it's one that's quite harsh in its application. Uh, it's one that's not especially kind to people. And it's interesting for those who um, like to be purists on the origins of these kind of things, um, what we would find out from this is that the burning platform as we currently see it used in organisations, you need to create a fire so that people will change, is actually not how it originated. So the origins of the burning platform burning platform metaphor um, came from industry guru Daryl Connor, so speed of change. And, um, you know, for those of you who followed Daryl's work, you will know that pretty much all of the IP that we use in the change management space has derived from Daryl's earlier research. Incredible wealth of knowledge and content and wisdom that you'll find on his website. Anyway, he first spoke about the burning platform in his book, The Speed of Change. I'm pretty sure it was. And it came after he was watching a news show that was covering the incredibly traumatic um, fires involved with the uh, Alpha Piper oil rig off uh, the Scottish coastline, I believe it was. And um, it was quite catastrophic. So, um, Many, many people dead, including um, the, the rescuers. They were interviewing a survivor, um, a fellow by the name of Andy Mocken, and he was one of the supervisors on the oil rig. And he explained that as the flames grew around him on the platform, he had a choice, and that choice was if he stayed on the platform, he would die. Um, if he leapt off the platform, he would probably die uh, because leaping off the platform meant leaping into freezing cold water. He could survive for 15 minutes at most if he wasn't rescued. But not only was it freezing water, it was littered with burning shards of metal. Um, so leaping off the platform was not an easy choice. And what Connor recognised in that instance was in the conversation that they were having with, with Andy Mocken was this commitment, you know, this, this incredible commitment to change um, and the courage that was required to change. And Connor saw this as a pattern of what he was seeing in many of the leaders that he worked with, that change was not always an attractive choice, that it wasn't this, um, you know, there was often a lot of risk associated, but to stay where we were meant certain death, you know, of the organisation, but to change was also incredibly risky. And so that's how he initially wrote about the burning platform. It just got, you know, um, it got reinterpreted, um, you know, it took on a life of its own in this new meaning, which is if you want to get people to change really fast, you need to create a burning platform. So whilst that is not accurate and whilst that is not right, 
it does make sense if we think about the neurobiology. So one of um, our common, um, I guess, truisms from, from neuroscience of change is the concept that we run from pain and we walk towards pleasure. So we talked a little bit last week about how the brain responds to threats. When our brain perceives that there is a threat to survival, um, it generates a limbic system response. With that, we have a huge flood of adrenaline that enables us to get away from that threat really fast. When we are not in a threat response, um, the pathway is probably going to be more tailored towards or heading towards the prefrontal cortex, which doesn't have the stress hormones associated with it. It's the stress hormones that allow us to respond to threat really, really fast. So when we think about forced change, if it is forced change which implies a threat, um, then we're going to move really, really fast. If it is a change which does not imply a threat, then we might still get there, but it'll be a lot slower. What's really interesting, and so this, this raises this whole notion of, of motivations, and it, it's interesting that we now look to the neuroscience of it because it was, you know, Epicurus in, in 300 BC who first talked about pleasure and pain as universal motivators of human beings, and we're still talking about it. We're just measuring it a little bit better. Um, I think one of the interesting things, though, because when we're leading change and designing change, we're often asked the question, do we use carrot or stick? Um, you know, are we trying to entice people to change or are, are we using compliance and threat? Um, and the answer actually has to be it's a little bit of both depending on the time dependency of it. So um, when we do change, which is motivated by pleasure, it is sustained change. So it sticks. It's, you know, that's the benefit. It might be slower, but it, it locks in, which is really good. When we do change that is in response to threat, um, we often revert back to past behaviours or past processes or workarounds, you know, once we get through the initial compliance side of it um, and that we're no longer feeling at threat. So run from pain, walk towards pleasure. Um, Pain-based change will increase the speed. Uh, it won't stick, though, so that's the interesting kind of thing. And that's the piece that I've been thinking about in terms of what we're seeing in businesses today. So <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I am staggered at the amazing innovation and adaptation I have seen in businesses all around. Um, and clearly, there is a lot of pain motivating people to change. You know, we are looking at through the implications of the pandemic and the stay at home and all that kind of stuff. We are looking at people losing houses, livelihoods, um, jobs, businesses. You know, um, it is clearly a very, very strong pain motivation. Now, with that, though, and this is what's so interesting is how creative so many people have been able to be in the face of that much adrenaline. So, you know, I, I think about my, um, my physio, um, pure physio in Melbourne Central. They obviously, once all the corporates sent their people home, um, they didn't have people in the city as their patients. Their patients weren't, 
likely to come in. And so they pivoted really, really quickly to um, virtual consultations and home visits. And, and this was weeks before, you know, we're now starting to see all of the healthcare kind of services, so yoga and classes all being happening by Zoom. So, you know, that was a really fast response. Um, Jonathan Champ um, had an amazing idea. It was really, really clever about how to support the performing arts industry. Um, and so he came up with um, arts to biz And, I'll, again, I'll put all the links in the show notes um, if you're curious and you want to follow up on these. But effectively it was um, looking at how to be a, a networked organisation which uses all of these unemployed artists and actors and um, performing artists and introduces them to companies of how can we use them for short bursts to keep your employees engaged while they're at home. Really clever stuff. Another friend of mine has a running squad, right? So that's, you know, big groups of people running together. Um, They have turned that into... Uh, a 13-week, I think it is, online uh, program that you can do self-paced, pardon the pun, um, but so you can still maintain both the social connection and the, the physical benefits, albeit online, um, with your running. So, again, really clever. Um, I, was, I, even, I have to say how surprised I was at how fast... Melissa Dark and I changed our Busting Silos program around because, you know, some of you may be aware we launched that last November. They're one-day workshops. Obviously, they all cancelled as we became, you know, the the different stage restrictions came in. Um, Two weeks ago, we sort of pivoted, turned that round, all of the material into a nine-weekly e-course, which, and the first one kicks off on Thursday. So. I've been really surprised personally how energised I've been and and part of that is recognising, well, that is the stress hormones. That's what the stress hormones do for me is that they supercharge me um, and I become really quite, you know, um, intense in my creation. Um, And luckily for me, both with with Lena in the Agile Change Leadership Institute and with Melissa, I have business partners who accommodate that very gracefully um, and don't mind me uh, sort of speeding up the production of the things that we're doing. So, you know, but, yeah, that's absolutely an example of run from pain. I wasn't enjoying the prospect of losing revenue um, at all. So I think the interesting thing for me is if we think about these kind of businesses and I'm also there's oh there was another one there was um hatch exchange so um the founder of iconic had another technology platform used for um worker exchange he's um pivoted changed that so that if you're a large employer who is laying off large numbers of employees you can register on there your people and then other employees who need to ramp up quickly because of you know the additional services and we're seeing that all around um they'll be able to take from that pool of people who've been laid off so again really really clever stuff um with connection so 
Given that we know, though, that change that is born of pain happens quickly but doesn't stick, what does this mean for all of the businesses who are doing all this really radically disruptive services? When we get to a point where there is steady state, will we revert back or will we all just have, you know, much more expansive products and services? Um, I don't know. I'm really curious about that. And um, if you're listening to this podcast and we're connected on LinkedIn or Twitter or, you know, you just want to drop me a note, um, let me know your thoughts because I think it's really interesting to be thinking about. It's had me thinking because, um, I do, you know, I am a Pollyanna. I do think that all of these changes that we're seeing at the moment are leading towards the opportunity for a, a really big reset of our worldview. Um, way back in the early 2000s, I was a lecturer in government, business and society at QUT. And I've been thinking, because um, with this, I've been thinking of um, Schumpeter's work um, in, in The Economist um, with the cycles of disruption and innovation. And, you know, his theories were around whenever we have really disruptive events and negative disruptive events, you, you see these waves of innovation and there's a whole stack that can be listed that we've seen from the plague, from World War II, et cetera, all that kind of stuff. And it had me thinking that, you know, when I taught that, those subjects, and so it meant that I was teaching political systems and economic systems and we talk about the, the pros and cons of socialism and pros and cons of liberalism and all those kind of things. And I was thinking like all the examples we would use would be so theoretical and hypothetical. And I was thinking what would it be like to teach those subjects now um, where you have got real lived experience of the pros and cons of our economic systems and our political systems playing out. Um, gee whiz, I reckon your classroom debates would be so much more interesting than the ones that, that I was leading, um, that's for sure. So shout out to any of the lecturers out there at the moment teaching uh, economics or politics or um, so society, those kind of things. Anyway, speed of change. Let me just close out on another piece of research, um, which is a little bit more of a happier piece. And what it tells us is it's research that was done on a 2008 research study published, Nicholas Christakis, James Fowler, and it was research which showed that happiness um, is incredibly viral and that... The research, a couple of things to think about with this research, um, we're not talking about in the workplace. It was, the argument was, I think the, the findings were that um, happiness, if, if you expressed that you were happy or you shared that you were happy, um, there was a two to three um, connection spread compared to other emotions um, and that includes the more negative emotions so if you think about it if you're posting um, if you're posting on Instagram or Facebook and you're posting about something that's made your happy made you happy your first connections will feel happier for seeing that and they will behave in a way which means that their connections are happier for seeing it so 
it is a happiness virus um, that really comes out of that. And it contradicts a little bit of the stuff we see often around social media, people um, feeling insecure because they see other people leading their best life and stuff like that. Um, it, I, it, I think, but we also see it, if I think about how well posts on LinkedIn, whenever there's a, you know, how, you know how the different social medias have got different personalities, right? And, you know, I don't know about you, but I see LinkedIn being this really celebratory space. People love a celebratory post. Um, and you'll see that that gets shared widely and, and lots of engagement with a celebratory post. Um, if we look at the studies, the findings of this study, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Um, and I, my invitation to you as we close out this podcast episode is to try this weekend um, it's something I've been running on my personal Facebook is inviting people to share what was the one thing that made them really happy this week and what are they most looking forward to on the weekend and it's just a way of sort of giving your brain permission to break out of the obsessive cycling of stress and anxiety and difficult news, those kind of things. Um, and given that we now know that happiness is uh, viral, if you do that and you share your happiness, you're actually doing other people a really big favour. So that's my encouragement to you. Anyway, let's wrap this one up. Um, as I said, I hope you're staying hydrated. I hope that you are breathing. I hope well, of course, I hope you're breathing. I hope you're breathing really well. I hope that you are sleeping well. Um, I hope that you're maintaining a sense of humour. Um, if you do want a little bit of extra content, then head over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Have a look at what I'm doing over there. But otherwise, if there are things that you want me to cover and pick up in this podcast, drop me a line, however you know me, however you reach out to me. Um, I'd love to pick up some of the stuff that you're keen to hear and um, we can have a chat about it over the weeks to come. Stay safe, everybody. Bye-bye. You've been listening to a conversation of change with Dr. Jen Fram. You can find many more resources on leading change at my website, drjenfram.com. I welcome feedback on what else you'd like to hear on the podcast. Why not connect with me on Twitter at Jen Fram or LinkedIn? 